We are celebrating Black Maternal Health Week. Black Maternal Health Week is a week of awareness, activism, and community building founded and led by Black Mamas Matter Alliance. Each year, the week of April 11th through 17th is full of events centering Black Mamas. This year's theme is Building for Liberation, centering Black Mamas, Black families, and Black systems of care. We will be hosting a live birth share with our own Laurel Gourier as she recounts her latest home birth with our community. We hope you can join us on your lunch break. There will be space for you to ask Laurel about her pregnancy, labor, and postpartum experiences. We'll cover everything from birthing in a new state, choosing a birth team, and how she navigated her birth preferences. Add us to your calendar for April 13th, 2022 at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. See you at lunch. Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Letitia Gordon sharing the birth of her son at 30 weeks, a day after her OB had dismissed her concerns of early labor. Her experience has fueled the care she now provides supporting families as a labor and delivery nurse and birth and postpartum doula. Hello, Leticia. Welcome to the show. Hi. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Absolutely. Um, so my 30-weeker, which is today's story, he is definitely, I call him the three pounds that changed me. Um, I was in actually going to enter nursing school um, shortly before he was born um, and had planned to actually do psych nursing um, because I have a master's in psychology and it just fit in. Um, I've always had an interest in women's and children, but I didn't necessarily think that I could do that um, just because I just had this whole career in psychology and was just switching into nursing. Um, I thought I wanted to be a psychiatric nurse practitioner, (laughs) which still actually might be on the table. Um, But on the first day of nursing school, I went into labor. (laughs) Um, So everything kind of changed. So now because of that whole experience, I'm a labor and delivery nurse. Um, I found myself wanting to go home with my patients. Um, So I became a postpartum doula. (laughs) Um, And then I do take some birth call here and there. And recently I've actually joined a birth center and I do, I birth assist and also work some clinic with them, which is actually a lot of fun. I really like clinic. Um, And I have two boys. Uh, My oldest is five. The little one, that's the 30 wicker. He's three now. Um, And I am married, uh, married to a Dallas police officer, which is um, fun. (laughs) Um, He he has a lot of uh, stress right now, um, being African-American and also an officer. He's getting hit from all sides. Um, And, you know, so I just, I'm just support him. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. That sums up me. I was curious if you're already an L&D nurse before you um, yes. had him, so it's interesting um, that it happened at a crossroads for you anyway, that that's the Definitely. route you went. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy? Yeah, so Jonah's the my 
three-year-old, the one that was born at 30 weeks, um, his pregnancy was, it was uneventful. Um, we didn't expect him. So um, when we did find out that I was pregnant, I actually had just recently received a waitlist letter for nursing school. Um, so I was like, okay, so this is God telling me, you know, you're going to have a baby. You're not going to do school right now. Um, and then further along into the pregnancy, I actually got a spot. So I was like, okay, well, now I'm going to do both. I don't care. <laughs> um, and so during the pregnancy, I mean, I had like just first trimester nausea, um, gained a lot more weight than I did with my first. I think I popped at like 13 weeks versus like 25 weeks with my first. Um, you know, I actually was a much easier pregnancy than my first. And, you know, because I had so much going on, I was managing a psychiatric private practice. And then I was also getting preparing to go to school. Um, I kind of was looking at my pregnancy as like, okay, well, you know, pregnancy is not an ailment. It's just a condition. So I'm going to do whatever and <laughs> keep going and run on zero. And, um, you know, I think I was working like 60 hour week, something crazy like that. And then, you know, still like trying to prepare myself for nursing school and trying to pay for it and all that jazz. Um, so it's not that shocking that, you know, finally when the time came, I went into labor <laughs> when it was time to actually go. Um, so, yeah. So as you were making these other plans, like career plans and different changes going on, how did you guys, how did you and Brandon actually prepare for this pregnancy and this birth? You know, I don't, I don't think we prepared at all. <laughs> I think we were just kind of winging it. We're like, okay, here's, we, we're going to have two kids. Our oldest was only two at the time. We'll just kind of walk and figure it out. I know the first couple months of pregnancy, my husband did not talk very much at all. I think he was in shock. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I, I think we had like discussed some things that we were going to do, um, as far as the baby, like we had already decided like, okay, once the baby's here, we're going to get a nanny. So, and like, hopefully be able to pay her like a weekly rate so that, you know, we don't have to do two daycares. Um, and, um, you know, he, it helped that he worked nights. Um, so, you know, he would be there for most of the day when I, um, had to take like leave, which actually is interesting because I didn't actually have um, maternity leave benefits. Um, so that's another reason why I think I was working so much is because I was concerned about, you know, how we were going to survive during um, that time. Um, but my parents were also, they were moving back to Texas um, and they, we also expected them to be a lot of help too. Um, and, but other than that, like, uh, nope, I just kind of worked and, you know, Jonah just came along in my belly and it, it was what it was. We were going to figure it out when he got here. <laughs> when we think about maternity leave and planning and all the financial pieces that go with that, there's, there's so little support, right. Yeah. Um, in terms of employers. And even if you're an entrepreneur, it makes it even that much more stressful and that Absolutely. you have to super plan ahead um, and trying to build up, you know, kind of like a, a savings that can actually benefit and, and serve towards all the other supports that you may need with a new baby. Yeah, for sure. Can you describe your actual birth experience with baby Jonah? <laughs> Oof. 
Yes. Um, so like I said, it was my first day of nursing school. So I was actually on my way to class. Um, it was about, I guess, 4.30 in the afternoon when I left work. I had class at 5.30, I believe. So I was leaving a little bit early um, just because at this point I was waddling <laughs> um, and, you know, had um, pre- like the night before actually um well, not night before, the day before, I'd actually seen my OB and I told her, you know, I don't really feel well. Um, I feel like I've lost my mucus plug. I feel like, you know, I'm nauseous again. Um, I feel like I'm having, you know, like back pain, like a lot more back pain than I was before, but also this was a lot of weight for me. Um, and so, you know, I was like, I kind of feel like I did when I went into labor with my first um, and I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. And so she was like, well, you know, the mucus plug doesn't really say much. And, um, you know, I actually took a picture of it and showed her and I was like, no, look, for real. <laughs> and she was like, oh, no. And I was like, well, can you just check? Like, I feel like something is happening. Can you just check? And she was like, OK, like, well, I was like, just check me for like maybe it's um, an, like sickness, like maybe it's a yeast infection or something like that. Um, and so she was like, okay, we'll, we'll test for that. And so she ended up, you know, doing some tests and then um, checking my cervix. And I was already like two to three centimeters dilated, which meant nothing to me at that time because I wasn't in the birth world. But now for a multip to be two to three centimeters is a big red flag. And I was sent home, not sent for monitoring, not sent, you know, to, you know, check to make sure, like do a cervical link check or any of that, that, of that stuff. Um, or even asked to, you know, monitor my contractions. Like she was just gave me like the kind of, okay, you've got six in an hour, you know, go ahead and come in, which I'm like, I'm always hurting. So how am I supposed to tell what six in an hour is? And the contractions this time apparently felt different with my son. It was like very, my oldest son, it was very like distinct. Like I knew with Noah, like, okay, this one is a Braxton Hicks. And then I knew when it turned into like the true contraction, like I, it was definitely a distinct like difference. Whereas with Jonah, I really did not feel a difference. Like I really didn't feel my stomach tightening as much, even though obviously it was happening. Um, but I don't know if maybe I was just too distracted. Um, but anyways, I was on my way to school <laughs> and I, um, had already had, you know, nobody poops in pregnancy. Um, so I was already having that issue of constipation and I just felt like I needed to that's honestly like the feeling. I felt crampy, like as if you need to make a really big bowel movement, but not nothing that really put me, like made me think, oh, this is labor. Um, and so I called my, um, I called my best friend, actually. <laughs> I called my friend, Erica, and I was like, hey, girl, um, I feel like I need to poop. I was like, you know, I don't remember this with Noah. I was like, and I'm crampy. And she was like, oh, okay, you know, do you feel like you need to poop like every five minutes? <laughs> And I was like, no, it seems to be coming like sporadically. I don't know. Like it doesn't seem to be, you know, in a, in a, in a rhythm. 
Um, and I was like, it just is kind of, it feels like it's constant. And she was like, okay, you should probably call your OB. So I was like, okay, I'll call her. So I called her and she was like, you can just go ahead and come to labor and delivery. I'm on call today and the office is about to close. So I'll just see you and L and D. And so that was it. So then I was like, okay, well now I got to call my professor and tell her I'm going to be late. So I called my professor. She had given me her cell number prior to the semester starting shout out to Ms. Rossler. Um, and she, um, had said anything that goes wrong, you know, just call me anytime, day or night, if you need anything. Um, so I called her and I was like, hey, Ms. Rossler, like, I'm going to be late to class. I got to go get an enema. <laughs> I'm like, this is TMI, but I, I got to go to the bathroom and it hurts really bad. Um, but I'll be late. I'll be there soon because our classes were like four hour classes. So, you know, just because I was missing the first hour didn't mean I, was, I could miss the whole class. Um, and so she was like, okay, you know, take your time because, you know, I'm not a labor and delivery nurse. Um, ortho is my thing. I, and she's like, nah, like just, you know, uh, don't come here. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and so I went to the hospital and at, well, I think I was like 30 minutes away from the hospital. The hospital was five minutes away from our house though. Um, I called my husband and I was like, hey, I think, um, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I'm going to the hospital. I just have these really bad like stomach pains. It feels like I need to poop. Um, you should probably call my sister to get Noah and come on up here. And he was like, well, Noah's asleep. He's taking a nap. <laughs> and I was like, well, wake him up <laughs> and, you know, just tell her to meet you at the hospital. And at this point, I kind of knew that maybe this was labor because, you know, my friend had triggered in my brain, like, oh, is this coming in a rhythm? And it was like, not until after I got off the phone with my OB that I did feel like it was coming, you know, in a rhythm. Um, and so I was like, okay, so this might be labor or, you know, I don't know. Um, so I just told him, you know, just get there. I was like, bring Noah with you and just tell her to um, tell my sister to pick him up at the hospital. So, you know, I, I get to the hospital and um, I like literally I walk through the front doors and then it was something like I couldn't get myself to go up to L&D. Like I was still in that much, I guess, denial. Um, so I just like paced the first floor of the hospital and like security was like, ma'am, do you need help? And I was like, nope. I'm fine. <laughs> um, just in like unbearable pain, really, at that point. Um, and I like, I just like, I was like, as long as, you know, I just keep pacing here and waiting for my husband, then we're not going to have a baby right now. Um, and my knowledge, I was like, oh, okay, like I can't, I was only two to three yesterday. I can't be all the way along. They're going to do all these things. They're going to stop my labor. And now I'm just going to have to spend the rest of my pregnancy in the hospital. That was my thought. Um, and so I was already like planning like, okay, so let me get, I need to get permission to do virtual classes and I need to figure out like what we're going to do with Noah and how to get some support for my husband. Um, and so it, it was just like, at that point I was still like trying to like just plan how the rest of this was going to go. Um, my husband got there and he has like Noah, like on his hip and he's like, let's go. Um, so we go upstairs and as soon as I hit the labor and delivery floor, it's almost like my body was like, okay, we're here. We can let this kid out. So let's bring on the big pings. Um, so nurse put me in like a room and I, I had walked like fine. And I guess I held everything in because they didn't make a big rush to come into the room. Like they were just like, okay, you know, go to room, whatever. And, you know, get changed. We'll be in there soon. Um, and so I, I went in there and, you know, then like the pain got terrible and I was like, okay, this is labor. 
Um, but still, I was like, they're going to stop it. And I'm just going to live here for a little while. Um, and so the nurse came in and she's like, she knew as well, but she was extremely calm. Um, my husband was also extremely calm. Like at this point I was panicking. Like I will say, like I was crying. I was like emotional. I was like all kinds of messed up because I was like, it's only, I am only 30 weeks and I had turned 30 weeks that day. So like that Tuesday was 30 weeks, like not 31, 30 and one, just exactly 30. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, so I was like mostly upset about that. Like, just like the fact that I didn't know what was going to happen to him. I didn't know, you know, what, what that meant, you know, to have a baby at 30 weeks. Um, and hey, there's my husband right there. <laughs> so I was telling her about how we got to the hospital and how I was pacing the first floor and didn't um, want to go upstairs to L&D until you got there. <laughs> and then how I was the only one in denial that I was in labor and that you and the nurse knew. <laughs> yeah. Well, like at first, I, at first I, I was kind of like, like, yeah, she's all right. Because I know we had to talk when we was in Houston, like mm -hmm. yeah, that situation or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that, I was like, well, maybe she's just kind of scared or, you know, we don't want to say overreacting, but just considering the situation that just occurred with, with that friend. Yeah. And then days later, it was like, I said, nah, maybe Tisha's just, it's on her mind or yeah. whatever. Um, I don't know if you had told her. No. So I actually had a friend, uh, like, <clears throat> honestly, two weeks before, like, literally two weeks before that um, went into labor early at 28 weeks. Um, but I believe the baby had, like, some fetal anomalies or something like that, and the baby didn't make it. So, you know, me also being 28 weeks, like, that really, like, messed with me. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, because at that point, I didn't know, like, why did the baby die, you know? Um, and so it, it, like, it really it did. It really shook me up. Um, and, um, so yeah, so, and then that was, I mean, part of my fear, like that, that situation had just happened. Yeah. Cause I was like, after, after we had talked about that, uh, we had got back and then, you know, when everything had happened, I was like, well, maybe she's just, you know, this Tisha, she can, she can do that sometimes. She just, she thinks a lot and she, you know, so I was like, well, maybe she's just, you know, thinking a lot. And so, but then once I got there. Closer I got upstairs, I'm like, mm, I think this is real. Like, I don't know. It just started hitting me for some reason. I was like, nah, this this is real. This is real. So and I got up there and literally when when uh, the nurse walked out and then she came in, she was like, all of a sudden, everybody starts coming in. It was like like a parade, just people. I'm like, what's going on? And she was like, we're having a baby. I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> like, she didn't say anything. She literally just walked out. And then all of a sudden, people just start coming in. And I was like, what are all these people doing? And she's like, we're having a baby. And she starts crying. I just, like, lost I said, it. Oh, like, God. I completely lost it. Like, I, like, was, like, turning over, closing my legs. No, we're not having a baby. I was, like, boohoo crying, screaming. My Poor two-year-old Noah was probably traumatized yeah. from like thinking that his mom was dying or something. Yeah, it was okay. And I can remember, I, like I had, I said, Tisha, look, baby is coming. We can't do anything about it. I said, you're going to have this baby and we're going to be okay. She was just like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, to uh, definitely de-escalate the situation, the cop skills came in good there because I I was not a sane at all. Like I I was like no, like yeah, this was, is not happening. I, I I had never experienced anything like this, so I didn't know what exactly was going to come of this or how this was all going to work. You know, I mean I I just didn't know. Um, but it was just like at that moment I was like, well, we're here. It's nothing you can do right now. We just got to go forward and do what we got to do right now and just try to see where it goes, get to the next step. And I remember when he was, uh, when they first got him out and they um, they put him, uh, they start trying to, uh, I guess. Resuscitate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there and I'm like looking and I'm like, it felt so good when you got that breath. And then it that was cry. like, when they said he's good strong mm-hmm. and I was like oh man like it, it just yeah, felt so I think good definitely like I was holding my breath. it was a, like a, yeah. just a relief and like literally when I once that happened like I never I didn't have not, not one worry um you know I mean it, it was hard leaving them in there um and you know having to you know be constantly on the edge or whatever you know, when the phone would ring, you know, which is always like, what happened? It'll be somebody like a friend or something like, oh, okay. But it's just like a constant like that. But I knew he was going to, I knew he was going to be all right. Yeah. I knew he was going to be okay. And it's so funny to look at him now versus then. It's like, oh, <laughs> he's a need, mess now. Yeah. You would be able to tell you like, he's that huge. Junk? Yeah. He's, he's almost, he's literally he's bigger than his bigger brother. Than his big brother. <laughs> You know, so it's smart, very smart, very smart child, very, very yeah. intelligent. Yeah, I mean that that and that's pretty much how the delivery went. Um, the doctor came in at the last moment, as oh, always. Yeah. Oh man, um, remember when um uh, the uh the uh the uh what's the name? Oh God, um the anesthesiologist. Oh, okay, yeah. Yes. So I was screaming, right? So I was screaming in pain. They were trying to like get like Jonah on the monitors they were trying to like start IVs and all this stuff and I, I was like basically like nope you're like nothing is happening you're going to leave me here you're not going to touch me like this is not happening I, I was literally screaming at the top of my lungs um and so you know at this point and obviously I'm complete like he's halfway hanging out apparently my bag was hanging out um hadn't I hadn't ruptured yet and that was the only thing keeping him in um, and anesthesia could hear me from the hallway and like, I guess just had pity on me and came in and was like, okay, like, you know, do you want something? And I was like, yes, do something, please. Like, I can't think. And at that point, you know, even though like there was so much craziness going around, like it was more so like for the calm, like it was like, okay, I'm about to experience, you know, this baby being born at 30 weeks. I don't know what that looks like. And I can't even think like, I can't even like get my brain past the pain. Um, and you know, I just wanted to like be present if that makes sense. And I wasn't like, you know what I mean? I was too in my head, like too, like not, not okay. And I couldn't like, I couldn't be present if that makes sense. Um, and so, um, he came in and he did a spinal. Um, so not an epidural, but a spinal, which, you know, helped tremendously. Like it was like instant pain relief. 
Um, and, you know, they were able to turn me back over because at this point, like I was literally like a, like a monkey, like attached to the rails of the hospital bed. Um, and uh, they were able to get like an ultrasound in because they didn't even know like what position he was in um, <clears throat> and um, also kind of just like see how big he was see what they're expecting as far as weight um so i'm i am definitely grateful to that anesthesiologist yeah, for taking there. pity on me he was me. just walking by yeah he was walking by and happened to hear her scream it was like what's going on in there and he <laughs> kind of looked at it and then that's when he came in and helped out he was just like I, yeah yeah I, I heard it i just i had to come here and see what was going on yeah oh that was yeah. when well, i think i got that spinal on my side so you know normally they sit you up like when you get an epidural or you get a spinal they sit you up and you have to hold the pillow and do this thing to your back nope i was definitely on my side still attached to the rails of the bed um and still like you know contracting like crazy like it felt like they were like seconds apart did not even feel like there was any break in between them and it was actually there was actually a nurse that like literally like got in my face and was like okay you gotta pull it together you gotta breathe you gotta blow it away like just kind of coaching me through like how to get through it um and you know like I, she's she's probably like the like main motivator of me wanting to go into women's health there's so much in this um yeah. now you're an lnd nurse i am having had that experience and what you know now, we're going to share, you and I, with our listeners. Why couldn't they stop your labor? I, at that point, was already, like, like completely dilated. Um, and my baby was coming out. Um, so it wasn't a thing where they could sew up and do a cerclage and, you know, give me some magnesium um, and then, you know, procardia, those things that they use to stop your contractions. Um, it was just too late. I was just too far gone. And, you know, he was like at the doorway, if, if that makes sense. Um, just thinking of baby is like 28 weeks, right? You can't use progesterone at that point to stop anything. Um, if someone came in, you know, like earlier in a labor, um, in early labor, earlier in their pregnancy, you know, that's something that could be done. And yeah. even to the point um, where, you know, you're talking about, I wasn't ready to go up to L&D as you're going through all this um, mentally for yourself. Mm -hmm. Even when someone says like 20 weeks pregnant and they start to experience something like that, depending on the hospital, depending on the state, there may not even be at the point of um, viability to even right. go to L&D. And that's something that we always like to kind of teach when we're going through this. So people who are expecting and, you know, kind of have an understanding of what's going on. Um, so much of your labor was mental, right? Um, just coming to grips in such a short period of time with what was happening. Um, what do you think beyond being able to get that spinal, which was a lifesaver for you um, mentally, what, what helped you? What helped you and Brandon during that time? I think that just, you know, having his support definitely, I, I think helped me. Um, just to kind of know that he was standing by and he was constantly like coaching me and constantly kind of being like that voice of calm in all the chaos. 
Um, and then, you know, asking the right questions. Like, I, I couldn't tell you, like, what questions he asked, but I could tell that he, like, kind of knew, like, what I would want and, you know, was, like, definitely asking the questions that I would want to know. Um, and then, like I said, my, I'm sorry, my um, nurse was also very good, like, even <clears throat> in terms of, you know, even though I was, like, frantic and, you know, wild, she was still kind of telling me everything that was going on, you know, and that was actually really helpful. Like, you know, like, hey, he's, he's down past the cervix, he's in the vaginal canal, like the pooping feeling was, you know, his head. Um, and, you know, just kind of explaining what exactly was happening. Like, you know, we have to start this IV, we're gonna, you know, get you know, some labs and things like that, because, you know, we, we don't know much about you right now. I hadn't even registered to give birth. Um, and, you know, in explaining like, hey, you know, I know you're in pain. We're doing the spinal for you to be in pain, but also we want to make sure like that it's not a butt that's coming out first that because that's going to take, you know, some a different way of how we're going to get him out. Um, and um, so, you know, I feel I did feel in my birth, I did feel supported. And at that point, my doctor wasn't even there. Um, but I did feel, I did feel supported. Like the NICU nurses came in and they kind of explained, you know, what would possibly happen or what interventions they would possibly have to do. Um, and um, just having the, like, even if it was a little bit um, just having like, just kind of quick blips of education um, kind of brought me back to birth. And how was your immediate postpartum and how is postpartum now? Because it's <laughs> even though you're yeah, three. Right? <laughs> so my immediate postpartum, it was pretty emotional. Um, so, you know, they, they got him, they stabilized him, they took him away in like a little plastic box. Um, my husband went with them. Like, they were like, you know, dad, do you want to come with us? And I was like, yeah, go with him. I'm fine. Like, I'm, I'm okay. Like, you go. And so then it was just like me and the doctor and my nurse like alone in this room and like there's still like the remnants of birth everywhere like my placenta's over here on a table like my sheets are still bloody like I'm not even cleaned up yet and it like the moment that Jonah was born I was happy um because he looked normal you know like I didn't know what to expect I'd never seen a preterm baby um but he looked normal he looked just like Noah um and he cried <laughs> um and so you know they they let me like touch him at least before you know handing him off um and so at that point like I was happy for a moment and then it was like when he rode out and my husband followed it was like my heart was rolling out of the room um, so I got like all, all the emotions just kind of hit at once. Um, and so I finally like was back to crying, but I wasn't in pain. It was just like a, like, like emotion, like just all this emotion. Um, and I remember like looking down at my doctor and being like, what happened? <laughs> I just saw you yesterday. What happened? And she was like, yeah, you tell me. And at that point I was just like, you know, I don't, we're done. I'm not coming back to you. Like, I didn't say this, like it, now that I'm like more educated and a little bit, uh, definitely a lot more vocal when it comes to like my healthcare. Um, I probably like would have like 
just completely laid into her. Um, but at that point, I didn't even know what I was laying into her for. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just kind of was like, she told me I was okay yesterday and today I'm not. Um, and so, you know, I, I was just like, you know, this is just, just not the doctor for me. Um, <laughs> uh, she didn't listen to me. I told her yesterday and then now here we are with the baby. Um, and then NICU comes in and they're like, Hey, you know, we we're going to need to feed him. And I'm like, okay, like I breastfed my first, like we had a really good, you know, breastfeeding relationship. It was pretty immediate. Um, you know, he was easy. <laughs> he like got it pretty quickly. Um, and so I was like, well, how are we going to do that? Like, he's in the box. Like, how are we going to, how am I going to get it to him? Like, I had no idea. Um, and so she like rolls in with this pump and she's like, yeah, you need to start pumping like soon. And she was like, but in the meantime, we have to give him something. Do you want to give like donor milk or formula? And so like my um, husband at this point had come back. And so I was like, hey, they're asking me, like, if I should do donor milk or formula. And so then the NICU nurse kind of, like, explained, um, you know, like, how for a preterm baby, donor milk is probably the best, you know, choice, et cetera. And she kind of explained, like, how it was pasteurized and how they, like, collect it and things like that. And so I was like, okay, I think I'm okay with donor milk. And then my husband was like, yeah, yeah, we can do the donor milk. So we did the donor milk. And even that. Like, I started crying after that because I was like, no, he's in a box. My body couldn't keep him safe. Now he's having to drink someone else's milk. Like, this is just, I just felt like a complete failure. Um, And so I kind of hyper-focused on pumping at that point. Like, I, like, literally, like, every hour I was like, I'm going to get something out. And then, honestly, like, maybe by six hours in, I think I was filling like 10 mil syringes with colostrum. So he only got four mils, four meals of somebody else's milk before I could like take over. <laughs> um, but in knowing that, that actually has really, really affected my practice as a nurse. Um, because anytime that I have a, you know, a, a, a mom that is preterm or has some sort of, um, issue that may have their baby have to go to the NICU, I get them pumping during labor um, just because I know that feeling of not being able to send anything with your baby and how you already feel like my my body did not, it betrayed me. Um, and so being able to do just that little thing helps tremendously. And then you let dad take it up there. Like it's just, it's just, it's just a great feeling overall. Um, uh, you feel like you're doing something cause you're not really like at that point, you're not even able to really just parent. Right. Um, cause they're having to be hooked up and, you know, be, monitored and like tested and, you know, fed through a tube and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> for him, like they, they put him on antibiotics, um, cause I hadn't been tested, um, for GBS, I guess. And I think that's kind of standard, um, that they start them on antibiotics anytime. Cause they don't know if maybe like an infection did cause me to go into labor early. Um, so when they're on those antibiotics, they did his through his umbilical, um, veins. Um, and so he had to stay put, like we were, they were fearful of that being pulled out so we couldn't hold him. Um, so, you know, just being able, I mean, it was only a couple of days, but it felt like ages. Right. Um, but, um, just being able to like, you know, provide something to him felt really good. Um, and so, you know, I tried to like help other moms do that as well. 
Um, you know, and then I went home without him. <laughs> um, and that was another emotional moment. Like, you know, I, when I was in the hospital, I could like run back and forth between my room and the NICU and things like that. And, you know, stay all night <laughs> in the NICU if I wanted to. Um, my NICU nurses were also like super supportive and they knew I was going to nursing school. So they also was like, they were like teaching me along with it. They were like, you know, we like teaching me about the numbers and what's normal for a, for a um, 30 weeker and things like that. And like how they do certain things like, oh, come and look at how we put this you know, nasogastric tube in, like, you know, um, and, you know, like, just like allowing me to not just, um, not just like how to like care for him when I couldn't touch him, but then also like how they were getting him to a point where he could just be a feeder grower. <laughs> um, so, you know, going home was really hard. Um, my husband, you know, picked me up at this point, my, um, my parents were in town. Yeah, they drove up pretty immediately. Um, and so they were at home with um, Noah. And um, my husband came to pick me up. And, like, again, like, just same feeling as when, like, Jonah rolled out of the room in the box. Um, you know, it was like I was leaving the hospital without my heart. And, you know, but then I was also like, oh, my gosh, I haven't seen my two-year-old in a couple of days. <laughs> um, you know, like, I, I got to go home and, like, be a mom. And then... I got school on Saturday. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, like I'm going to have to like really, really, really think, think about this. I will say like Jonah was definitely like a very humbling experience. Um, and because of that, because of all the like emotions and the fear and the anxiety and things like that, my way of coping is to work harder. <laughs> Um, and so I kind of throw myself into like being busy. Um, so I was like, okay, I haven't seen my two-year-old in a few days. Like we got to go do something. So, you know, like I took my two-year-old out somewhere. Um, and then I called my professor and I was like, Hey, you know, I feel okay. Like if I came to Saturday skills lab, would it be all right? And she was like, yeah, we're gonna make you sit in a chair, but yeah, you can come. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I went to class, I had him Tuesday and I went to class Saturday. Um, and it honestly, like, I feel like had I not had something that I was working towards, I think that my like emotional state would have been a lot worse. Um, I think that mentally having like this distraction of like, okay, like he's being taken care of here in the NICU, like we're, my two-year-old is okay. He's taken care of, you know, and then, you know, I've got something to do. Like I've got to get through school. I've got to, you know, get this done so that, you know, we can also like kind of have like a more balanced life because the nurse life, you know, you only work three days a week. It's great. Um, so you do get more time with your family. Um, so, you know, like I was like, I just got to do this. Like I can't do the 60 hour thing <laughs> with, um, these two kids. So I was like, I just have to do this. Um, so I made it through and it probably, honestly, the like big postpartum stuff didn't hit me until like after, honestly, like maybe he was six months old. Like he'd already come home from the NICU. Um, I'd already finished my first semester. You know, I was going into my second term. And, um, you know, he got, you know, he did get a lot, like he was sick a lot, um, in those first 
couple months, um, he got colds and they took him down pretty hard. Um, he'd always have to get hospitalized. And every time like he'd get hospitalized, it felt like a step back. You know what I mean? Like, oh, here we are, we're back. Um, <clears throat> and so I think the final time was sometime in my like second semester. And, you know, that's when it just, it just really got to me. Like this was like the third time we'd been in the hospital. We're supposed to be moving on, but you know, we're kind of, every time you go back in, it's like getting re-traumatized. Um, and, you know, so I, I did, like, I got extremely emotional. Like I was like not wanting to do anything. Like I was going through the motions, but not, it was just, checking a box, I guess. Um, and so, you know, being in the mental health field, I was like, okay, I know that I don't have to feel like this. I know that these are signs of like depression, you know? Um, and so like not finding happiness in anything, just feeling, you know, hopeless and things like that. Um, so I was like, nope, I'm not doing this. You know, I got myself into therapy. I talked to my PCP at that point about, you know, to get on something because I knew I wanted to be better fast. <laughs> Everything was about being better fast. Um, and so like, even though like therapy alone, yes, it could have, it, it definitely would have helped, but it took too long. So I was like, I need also something, you need to put me on something. Um, and so, you know, I started an antidepressant, I was in therapy and in school and I made it through, like I am a nurse now. <laughs> um, but so obviously we made it and he's three years old. And like we said, bigger than his older brother. Um, and uh, just so smart. Oh my gosh. So, so smart. Like knows every single dinosaur name. Like it's weird to hear your three-year-old say Apatosaurus. Um, and like every single letter, like he's, he's amazing. Um, and, I mean, so is my older child. He's really smart too, but you know, he's, this one just really knocked me off my feet. <laughs> Do you recall how Brandon was dealing with things during postpartum? And, yeah. and how, like, kind of like the numbers game of how soon did he have to go back to work and that kind of thing? So he actually, um, he did take um, some time off. Like he, he had already had like a lot of vacation time banked up. So he was able to take off, you know, once Jonah came home, like that was kind of what we did. We were like, okay, like there's no point in, you know, taking off right now. Like things are normal right now. Like I'm okay. Like I wasn't working, but I was going to school. So, you know, we were okay for him not to go back, like come home at that point. But then once Jonah came home, then yeah, he took, you know, a few weeks off um, after Jonah came home from the NICU. Um, and I will say like, this was different than my first pregnancy. He was much more involved um, and, you know, was definitely up with the baby like a lot more um, this time. And I don't know if that's like just having more confidence and, you know, caring for a newborn since he already had like that first experience or if he was just like afraid, like, I don't know. Um, because he was also very protective. Like if I fell asleep while breastfeeding, like he was like, put the baby back in the bassinet. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I'm like, dang. <laughs> the safe sleep police for real. Um, and um, yeah, so he was, you know, uh, yeah, he was very, very, definitely very protective of um, him. He had like, was the master of the swaddle. Um, you know, and he, he did, he was better at, I feel like better at calming him. And even now to this day, they have a different sort of bond. Like, I feel like he's still, my husband is still better at like calming Jonah down. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think that he, 
he didn't display if he was feeling a lot of anxiety during that point he didn't display it and I don't know if he just was like kind of wanting like knew that I was emotional about everything so he didn't want to like add to that you know um but yeah like I I you know like I and that was such a cloud like I can't really like say that I was even really paying attention to what he was feeling you know um but yeah. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners? Whether it be yes. advice or resources, yes. anything else Definitely. from your birth? Yeah. Um, listen to your body. Listen to your body because she knows. <laughs> um, the body is very, very smart. Um, don't let your brain override what the body's trying to tell you. Um, if it says I'm tired, sit down. <laughs> um, if you feel like something is not right and somebody tells you it is and you still feel like it's not right, go to the next person. Um, ask lots and lots of questions. Ask why for everything. Like, don't just do something because they told you this is what we're going to do. Um, if you're, you know, going to be, get yourself educated on everything. Like one of my like biggest things that I feel like I um, encounter a lot, especially with first time moms in the hospital um, is like the elective induction. And, you know, like, just don't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> If uh, your body, number one, is not ready, um, it's long. You're going to be there forever. You're going to be so tired. Uh, they're going to tell you you're just going to come to the hospital the night before and sleep, but you're not going to get any sleep. You can't sleep in a hospital. I'm going to be in your room like every couple minutes trying to fix the monitor. You're not going to sleep. You're not going to sleep. And then the next day when we do actually try to get you in labor, you're going to be exhausted. Um, and it's going to take, it's going to take forever. Like, I feel like inductions are like three day experiences and it's so, so tiring. Um, so, you know, just, just, just don't do that. <laughs> um, unless there's like a medical reason, you know, um, just don't, don't do it to yourself. Like, just, just wait. The baby will come. The baby will come. It's like Jonah. Jonah's yeah. like, I'm not sure I'm what's out. going on here right now, but I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, okay. she's doing too much. Get um, ready. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> How long was he in NICU? So he was in there for five and a half weeks. Yeah, he was five and a half weeks. And, um, it was, oh my gosh. He the he was like, we think we took him home like five pounds. He was like just this little ball. And like preemie babies, like, I don't know, they all have the same look. They kind of have like these little arms and little legs and big old tummies. Because I guess we're like overstuffing them, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like in, yeah. I mean, and that was like beautiful the day that we brought him home like my son finally got to meet him because they didn't let you know the younger ones into the NICU um so their first meeting and I mean Noah we brought him home and Noah just like sat in front of the like in front of his little like crib for the longest like waiting for him to move <laughs> um, and I was like he's not gonna be able to play with you buddy for a while um but it's okay you can watch him um and you know because we were worried about their closeness and age, he was two. Um, we got him involved a lot because we didn't want like the jealousy thing. So, you know, like I let my two year old, you know, feed him. It looked all jacked up because sometimes, you know, I would breastfeed him and then like he would get tired. So we'd have to do a, like a, a pumped bottle afterwards. 
just to make sure like he got like a full feed. Um, and so I'd let my two-year-old do that. And I mean, he might've been holding him all kinds of crazy, but the milk got in. So whatever, you know, <laughs> um, and Noah felt like he was a part of something, doing something big, feeding his baby brother. Um, I um, let him, when we changed the diaper, let him put the straps on. <laughs> um, so um, we've never had any jealousy issues between them, honestly. Um, so I don't know if that helped, um, or, or like if he's just like an amazing kid and just no, like has as much love for his little brother as we do. So, um, awesome. yeah. <laughs> do you have any advice or, you know, resources for NICU parents too, specifically? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, um, like I said, like just, you know, doing, doing that um, pumping or hand expression during labor so that you have something to give to baby. Um, again, the same with yourself. Like ask lots of questions. Ask why. Why are they giving your baby this? Why are they doing this? Why does it need this? If we don't do this, what happens? Um, and, um, you know, getting getting involved. Like just if there's something that they're doing that you, like you say, like you can do, like it looks like you can do it. Like just say like, I want to do that. Um, there's not really, I don't know, like I, I had a Nikki baby while in nursing school, so I didn't really like pursue a lot of like outside resources. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm sure that there's like support groups and organizations and I definitely, you know, recommend getting involved with that. I think my support group was the NICU nurses. Um, one of my son's <laughs> NICU nurses actually turned out to be one of my clinical instructors. So I feel like, you know, that was God. Like, you know, I had someone who knew what I was going through and kind of gave me the benefit of the doubt. Um, and um, yeah, like, um, yeah, yeah. NICU parenting is really hard. It's, it's really hard because you don't feel like you're parenting. Um, so how much thought have you given to, um, your doctor, um, and just their response to you, just how that, like, just that statement when you say, like, you tell me what happened, it's kind of like, what, what are you, what did you, what <laughs> yeah. did you gather from that? Right. Um, you know, I, I wanted to give her a big, like, I told you so, like, speech. Um, and, you know, that's honestly why I'm, like, very, very careful about doctors. Like, if I have, like, a concern and I don't feel like I'm being heard, I drop you. You can fire a doctor um, and move on to the next. Like, you, you do not have to keep whatever. You need to have a supportive team. Like, and that's in any respect. Like, um, I'm, I'm going to drop a little bomb here. Um, but I was recently diagnosed with breast cancer. And so, you know, I'm having to navigate that now on top of being a mom, being a nurse and, you know, having like my own like business as a doula and things like that. Um, and so, you know, I have gone through a number of doctors. If I don't feel like, you know, I'm being supported or like my best interests are being put first, then bye, I'm, I'm going to find someone else. And I did the same with her. I never went back to her, not even like for my six weeks. Like I was like, nope. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. You didn't have to. And um, <laughs> I can hold that. We can hold yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm thankful for you sharing today. Um, there's a lot that as black and brown people, as you know, birth stories and colors specifically for us, and there's a lot of stress 
There's a mm -hmm. lot of stress in our lives, um, maintaining basic needs, right? Um, and how that comes across to our bodies, right? Yeah. And I think about even like with Brandon's work, like even if you weren't stressed about your own career and things mm -hmm. that were going on uh, with him being a police officer, a black police officer, and really taking all that in, you know, mm -hmm. um, a lot of things you, you can't change or you can't um, help that that's going to happen to your body, you know, um, and it's not something that's discussed nearly enough. Um, you shouldn't have to become a nurse or birth worker to know, you know, kind of how those things are coming across in pregnancy and it mm -hmm. should be a part of regular care. Um, yeah. 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 And I mean, that's honestly like why I started looking for, you know, podcasts like this um, and, you know, trying to hear people's stories is because I wanted to know, like, what are the fears people are having coming into like labor and delivery? Like, how can I be the nurse that doesn't add to your birth trauma, you know, um, <clears throat> and just I'm a huge believer in like education and, you know, not using fear or guilt to guide a decision. That's an important thing to say. And we actually have a lot of listeners that are L&D nurses and they do use this podcast to inform themselves more and be more mindful and thoughtful in their care for patients, regardless of, um, you know, their race or anything like that, but especially because they know that it's a real thing and, yeah. How how am I causing harm if, if it's mm -hmm. in not really hearing someone and they say that they're in a type of pain and that's beyond, um, you know, I would just want an epidural or I, I want right. this and that. It's it's hearing them, responding right. to them, um, honoring their wishes and not pushing your own agenda, you know. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I feel like that definitely happens a lot in the L&T world, just trying to, like, you know, we know best, so um, trying to push that on someone else. But, I mean, I think how you how you avoid that, again, is, like, you know, explain, explain the options. Or if they're a person that doesn't want to know what the options are, okay. And you have to be willing to say, like, you have to be willing to say okay when they say no. Well, thank you so much, Leticia. This has been informative. Um, I really enjoyed hearing your story and being able to hear you triumph um, yeah. through all these different things that are being thrown at you and just knowing how the mind works and being in this space of, you know, like that fight or flight moment of finding out your child is coming way sooner than anticipated after already having, you know, that experience with your friend. Um, and how heavy that was mm -hmm. and how fresh that was for you guys and that you were grateful um, and just that you were able to make it through all that. Mm -hmm. um, you're here today. Yep. You're working <laughs> knees deep in this thing now. <laughs> A live, breathe, birth, I think. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man. Your, your patients are blessed to have you. Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com. We are celebrating Black Maternal Health Week. Black Maternal Health Week is a week of awareness, activism, and community building founded and led by Black Mamas Matter Alliance. 
Each year, the week of April 11th through 17th is full of events centering Black Mamas. This year's theme is Building for Liberation, centering Black Mamas, Black families, and Black systems of care. We will be hosting a live birth share with our own Laurel Gourier as she recounts her latest home birth with our community. We hope you can join us on your lunch break. There will be space for you to ask Laurel about her pregnancy, labor, and postpartum experiences. We'll cover everything from birthing in a new state, choosing a birth team, and how she navigated her birth preferences. Add us to your calendar for April 13th, 2022 at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. See you at lunch.